Cha-ching! Click clack, it's back. The I Get Buggets podcast. I'm your host, as always, Simon Harricks. And again, we're reeling off our fantasy reviews for season 21-22. We're going through and projecting all of the picks that are happening in our fantasy draft for the I Get Buggets League. We are here doing team number four, which is, I think, the seventh podcast, maybe the sixth. It's all coming together nicely. It's fun to talk basketball. And today we're looking at uh, Daisy Dow, a.k.a. the Chad's team, who had the... Um, I had the privilege of listening to him review my team very fairly, I think. Um, and now I get my opportunity to kind of dig my nails in on some of the picks that he's kind of gone to task with and, and let everyone know kind of my thoughts and how we kind of look towards with basketball. Now that I'm filtering over these podcasts across preseason games, um, some of what you, um, some of your thoughts and everything from watching the games obviously might bleed into the, the podcasts, but uh, we all have to keep pre-season form and stats always obviously in a little bit of um, you know low expectations and what's translating through but I do think there's certain things you can kind of pick up on um, depending on starting lineups and roles and ways that coaches are testing I think depending on how many outs the teams have it's not exactly um, a nice kind of feeling when uh, a flyer that you've, you've picked is, is almost buried on the boat bench when they've, they're resting three players still. So that's, <laughs> that's something that's not great. But again, we're not going to get too carried away from preseason stuff. But now that uh, the games are happening, I, I may mention it once or twice here and there. Um, we'll see how we go. Um, straight off the bat, we're hitting it with pick number four. So as we've spoken about, there was kind of the the draft going to form with the top three players. And number four was definitely uh, one that kind of could have gone either way. Um, it's interesting. This is is actually not a pick that um, coach made on the night uh, after you know being on Zoom for for three hours and enjoying everything that um, had to offer with with banter and, and games and everything. The boys, as soon as the, the draft hit, um, <laughs> coach decided that that was the opportune moment to, to not be at the computer. And I do think that <laughs> the first three picks literally got taken with 15 seconds. So I didn't exactly um, make things easy. But being away from the computer, auto-draft taking this first one, I think we all thought that James Harden was getting taken. And I think um, this is the safe you know, option here and, and, and a pick that you'd be very happy with going with, with number four. Um, I think the only real question mark for me was with if you wanted to go Joel Embiid at four instead. I think I had, I definitely had Embiid um, on my board as four and probably the option I would have gone. But even then, it was a real coin toss for me. I think Embiid maybe has a little bit higher of a ceiling if he can kind of replicate this MVP season. Um or MVP-esque season, I should say, um, that he had last year before he went down injured. Um, and, you know, depending on how kind of the Ben Simmons thing plans out, uh, you know, the, the pathway for him to be, you know, that real upper echelon fantasy elite um, player, even pushing, you know, potentially, you know, the best one, two, three players, I think's a little bit easier for Embiid 
compared to Harden only because some of the Harden stuff is capped by having both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in your team. But I do think Harden's the more safe option, despite him missing injury last season. You know, historically, he doesn't really miss games. I've really been quite positive and, and, and buoyed by what Harden brings to to Brooklyn by watching him last year, despite a lot of the stuff that you would hear about, you know, there's only one ball, you know, how does it all kind of work for such, um, you know, dominant kind of scorers. And I think we've seen quite easily that James Harden, even though he's, you know, one of the most offensively gifted um, and, you know, historically, you know, high volume kind of scorers at the NBA's, you know, seen that when he played with the other stars, he's really quite happy to kind of, defer to them to do with some of the scoring um, at times, but that really hasn't been at a hindrance to, to a lot of his counting stats. Obviously, we've seen um, Harden almost break records for the amount of triple doubles he got in a, um, a season, you know, rivaling kind of your, your Jason Kidd numbers when you've put it in the the package of a couple of months of, of him just because, you know, the counting stats were so so obvious and, and so easily come by it, it felt for Harden. And then the way that they kind of stagger his minutes that I, would be something that I'd really expect to continue moving forward with him being the first of kind of the big three to get subbed out, but then coming back on, you know, late in your first and playing, you know, the early second quarter with kind of the, the bench mob and, and really kind of that's when he's picked up his scoring and, and been able to do all the things that, that James Harden does. I do think it's it's worth mentioning because this team has James Harden and Trey Young, who we'll speak about in a little bit about the change to the NBA rule about not calling fouls where offensive players are really kind of driving and forcing the contact. So, you know, it has been dubbed a bit of this James Harden slash Trey Young rule. Um, and I think, you know, in a lot of ways that is fair. I think both of them are, are some of the main, um, I guess, contenders or names that come to mind in terms of drawing contact um, and crafting their way to get to the line, whether you like it or not. I do think it's worth kind of saying in fairness that the the difference for me or what what's going to be a, a real kind of point, it's it's that pump fake up when you're on either a jump shot, whether it's a three or, or kind of mid-range, and then when the player bites, if they're not kind of coming into your space, that you really lean into them. Um, and that's what is a no-go. It's going to be much better for the NBA. It's, it's shit that, you know, to see. I 100% agree with the change. But I think it's sometimes unfair the criticism on James Harden to a lesser degree Trey Young but when they're they're forcefully kind of making contact while they're driving to the rim due to the fact that they've you know crafted with their pump fakes and the way that they lean their body and and able to kind of go through contacts a little bit different obviously if they're jumping into players then you know they're not going to get the calls but um, a lot of what James Harden does in crafting his way to the basket and being able to um, you know, pump fake and get guys out of their um, their feet and kind of switch hands as you're going up and, and be able to kind of angle your body through contact. That's all this crafty stuff that's still inbuilt to his game that, you know, makes him such a dynamic um, scorer and, and, and a player that you'll see in this really high kind of free throw range. And, I, you know, I don't think that's going to abandon his game. You know, they're all still fouls for the most part. And I just think his counting stats is makes him the easy pick for the Brooklyn big big three um, for us going forward. Obviously, there was decisions to be made, I think, from all coaches in terms of how they rank 
the three for Brooklyn and, and Lakers. And I think the Lakers was more of a, a difficult decision and, and the Brooklyn ones was a little bit more straightforward and James Harden is the way to go and, you know, we'll anchor your team. And depending on kind of how things go, you know, the drop-off between Luca and Harden for three and four really may not be as big as some of the projections are off the gate if things go the way um, you'd expect. And, you know, if, if Kyrie um, doesn't want to play half the games and then the Nets say, well, that's not good enough, you're not going to play any of the games, um, then I think that's only good for James Harden's fantasy-wise. It's not good for Brooklyn overall, that's for sure, but um, I think James Harden's looking pretty pretty good right now. Um, so that's pick one, and I think moving forward to, to pick two, um, for Team Young, Harden on holiday um, is one that I think is is smart, and if you were keyed into to what things was going on, you would have pushed Paul George up your board a little bit this year, based purely on the fact that um, with no Kawhi Leonard for what we foresee being basically the whole regular fantasy season. Um, I mean, that's definitely the expectation at the moment, that looking at the Clippers roster, um, someone like Paul George averaging 27.2 last year, you really feel that can kind of have a bit of a jump up into into the 30s um, based on exactly looking at the roster and who you think is going to really pick up the slack is a bit of a question mark. And the only thing that kind of holds true for me is Paul George is going to um, have to have a good season. Obviously, he's been a little bit maligned um, through a lot of NBA kind of, um, I guess, realms or spheres or Twitterverse in terms of playoff P and everything that he can't do. But I think you got to really focus on everything that he can do. And, you know, despite some of the, the shooting splits when it comes to playoffs, you know, he is a, an above average um, shooter and almost an elite scorer in terms of what he can do. And he's all, you know, the counting stats, I think, will come a little bit easier because he's going to be having a quite an increased usage rate and the ball is going to be in his hands. So I, I feel like, um, you know, some of that assist numbers, really, you know, he's five from last year will probably trend quite similar, um, this, and then the scoring you'd think would be up. Um, and I just think that, you know, I had him really early kind of second round, almost player for me, or mid-second round, actually. I had him at 16 on my big board, just behind some of those other kind of uh, elite guys. So to get him at 17, I think, is is smart. And I think a lot of other coaches, you know, should have been looking at him, you know, that mid-second round um, thing for me. So... I, yeah, I think barring, you know, injury or anything or trades and stuff with the Clippers, you know, I think the Paul George pick um, is a really good one, you know, at this stage and, and quite safe. Uh, going through to, to the next pick and, and one that's always fun to talk about every single year because, um, you know, Trey Young's been a player that I've been a little bit down on um, from, you know, some of the skill set stuff and how it, it translates in into fantasy basketball. And I think... Um, this pick here, I, I, I've got, I've changed my tune a little bit on Trey Young, and I think the criticisms were quite fair um, at the time, and I think some of the the aspects to his game that you'd be worried about in terms of how Atlanta are kind of going to make the next step um, are still quite evident. But I think it is, um, you know, very fair and worthwhile to to say, you know, the growth that we're seeing uh, with Trey Young in terms of now looks like, you know, especially in the back end of last season, that he can start to, you know, make the players around him better. And 
you know, we won't go all the way there yet. You know, obviously early last season there were criticisms still internally about the way he plays, his shot selection, his decisions um, depending on the shot clock situations and getting other people involved. And, you know, it's all it's all still there, but I think, you know, he started to, to find his way through on how he can operate. Um, still be, or doing the things that Trey Young does best, you know, whether it's the, the unlimited range and um, getting to the line and kind of, um, you know, it's very drill-heavy kind of stuff, but, you know, I think the passing's gotten a little bit better. I think, you know, him knowing his teammates, I think having someone like Clint Capella um, compared to sometimes a real heavy John Collins kind of pick-and-roll stuff, you know, does feed a little bit better into what he's doing. Um, I think, you know, he's going to benefit from some of the changes to the shot selection stuff. You know, I, I do think a lot of the, yeah, the stuff that, you know, I've been on record saying about if he's if he can't be efficient with his shot, you know, how I'd like I wasn't a hundred percent sold on some of the other aspects to his game. He's a liability defensively. But you know, we've seen um just because of the usage rate and everything that there that the assist numbers are, are gonna come even, you know, if he isn't the most you know, the highest kind of IQ player or, or the passing isn't, you know, something that we think is it comes you know, supernaturally, or he doesn't lead plays in as much, you know, the way that he plays, you know, dishing out to three-point, and he's, the, the pick-and-roll game has actually worked quite well um, because they have to kind of really defend that pop shot that he's kind of done a lot, that he's, he's really kind of had this element of his game where, you know, he's been able to delay the, the, the shot and kind of feed the pass really well to people rolling to the basket. There's all this stuff that, like, makes it feel like, you know... It's 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 not just like a high usage kind of fantasy fluke anymore. There's there's real, you know, round to his game that makes I think, um, you know, a pick in round three, at twenty four where it takes him, you know, feel really good. And compared to some of the other players, I'd be very happy to take him here. I had him at seventeen on my big board just after Paul George, and actually, you know, above, you know, the the three that he got taken after in Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox, and Donovan Mitchell. So. You know, I do think currently as it is sitting here that I would feel that Trey Young is a, is a better fantasy player and someone that I'd, you know, project or, or have an opinion that would be at the end of the year better than all those three players. And, and I think he's got him at a really good time. So that's as much good things you're going to hear me say about Trey Young ever. Um, and I feel like I need to be a little bit more critical actually listening back to some of the podcasts. Even for the first time in my life, I, you know, had good things to say about Buddy Heald and I'm like, oh, maybe you picked the wrong season to finally <laughs> go in on, on saying, hey, Buddy Heald may be good. But um, I will say, even though um, I'm saying some more positive things, it's 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 all in comparison to where you've taken them. So um, if I don't like a player, but, you know, you get him at the right time or, or 20 picks, um, you know, past where I think they were good, then it's a good pick. Um, if it's a really um, good player but you took him too early, then it's a shit pick. Like it's all um, relative to the stuff and, and some of the things that I felt about, you know, Buddy Heald is because he was picked so late. <laughs> maybe he gets traded, maybe he doesn't. For Trey Young, for him here, I think is, is good. Um, so we'll, we'll go forward to, to Zach Levine. I think, you know, Chicago Homer makes sense still as a Zach Levine, I think. An average of 28.5 last year is very healthy. He's taken him here at pick 37, you know, which feels pretty good 
just based on the output he had last year. The thing with Zach Levine this year is obviously the Bulls are a little bit different. Um, they've brought in Lonzo. They've got DeMar DeRozan. I think Zach Levine, for me, was obviously still the clear standout as the first um, Bulls player that I'm picking. But I do think that he's 28.5 from last year. You know, there's not a real evident pathway for him, for him to, to still... Um, get a little bit better, you know, obviously he's he's very young still and, you know, you'd hope that you haven't seen the best of Zach Levine, but fantasy-wise, just the way that they're going to um, play basketball, I think, and integrate DeMar DeRozan um, into the, the lineup, um, I think Zach Levine's numbers, you know, might take a little bit of a hit. You know, he had what I assume, and this is without having the stats, you know, 4.9 assists last year, I think would have been probably um, a career high for him. And I think going forward, you know, with Lonzo and some of the things they're doing, I'm not sure if, you know, some of the assists are going to come as easy for him. Um, I had him at, at pick 31 on my board. So in relative to that, I think it's probably the right direction for you to go at this time. Like, it's, it's, it's gone. We've, you know, we've seen that Zach Levine's, you know, um, really made the doubters, uh, proven the doubters wrong in terms of his game is not just, you know, this athletic dunker he had, all this stuff that, um, you know, has made him the the prize get out of that um, Jimmy Butler trade with Larry Markin and now, um, you know, long gone um, to, to, to Cleveland. That Zach Levine's obviously the thing that you've you've bought into, you've paid. Um, building a team around, I think, is almost a, um, a stretch to say, but, you know, you've paid him kind of like that. So I don't think you're wrong if you, if you say that. Um, so I think Zach Levine's a, a good fine pick here, but I'm, I'm interested to see the Chicago dynamics and, you know, if he's going to, you know, end the season as, you know, your your round four top kind of um, 40 guys. And I, I think he is he's good enough, but I don't, don't think we're going to get that real shock of him um, taking a leap forward. Like he, he has been a, a bit of a, a real bonus to teams uh, seasons past. So, um yeah, it's it's all good still. We'll move forward to the next picks and Drew Holiday. Um, so we've got um, <laughs> two of his um, three players that are. I'll try out all three of his um, his team inspired um, players have been taken here in his first five <laughs> picks, which is is smart. That's that's all good. Um, Drew Holiday is an interesting one because um, while it doesn't excite me, you know it's it's fair, it's fine, it's probably the right time to take him at pick. 44, um, I, you know, you saw elements to his game in the playoffs that you can get a little bit worried about with his scoring. Sometimes it's a really hard thing to pick um, players kind of taking a little bit of a step back. And um, I just, looking at, you know, Milwaukee going from strength to strength, um, you know, he, I do I do sometimes get a little bit worried about banking um your stock on, you know, when you're talk, talking about big threes and, and whether you want to describe um, this as a big threes up to you. But sometimes that, that kind of third string guy, it's, you know, you're, you're automatically thinking is going to take on that same kind of like um, allotment fantasy-wise. That when you see, you know, other players, you know, crafting, you know, or, or you know, applying their, a craft to, to their seasons and getting better and stuff where the, the you know, give and take is going to be. And, you know, I think obviously he's still, you know, you know, one of the best kind of on-ball 
defender guys, um, you know, in the league, and he gets that respect and everything that's, you know, he's, he's earned in his career. Um, there's just a little, you know, just slight concerns for me that Drew Holiday is going to, you know, come back into the lineup. The Bucks obviously, you know, project as, as really, really good, but, you know, still kind of get that 17, 18 points a game. Um, I think that's or a pretty negative outlook on it. Um, and, you know, I had him pretty much, I think, the same spot. I had him at 47 on my board, and he gets drafted at 44. So, I mean, I only just think it's like just a slight kind of early thing, and, you, you know, if you wanted to kind of risk picks elsewhere, you could have. Um, I just think, you know, there's, there's a year coming <laughs> where he's probably not as automatic, but, you know, I've, I've had... It's it's a really tough one because sometimes there's years and years I'll be like oh well, um, Al Horford's no good, Kyle Lowry's no good this year I wouldn't have got and then they have really good seasons but then the next year they <laughs> you see the drop off and I think Drew Holiday's not going to have a drop off he's you know he's still you know that solid player but um, one year coming Drew Holiday's not going to be a guy that you're picking in the you know top five rounds and um, I think he's teetering on the edge there and um, you know potentially. When you look at the end of the season, you know he's more of that you know six seven round kind of player. Um, that's just my only you know thoughts on that. You know, and that's really me digging to try and say something about Drew Holiday because, well, everything that's been said has probably been said. Um, next is Lonzo Ball. So there's definitely more to say about Lonzo Ball this year. Um, yeah, I think this is probably the time that someone was going to risk it on him. He's one of the players that. Um, Teams, I think, would have been quite varied in their placement just because of, you know, him having a new team and him kind of showing um, quite a, a varied level of, of fantasy output through, you know, his first, you know, four or five years or whatever it is now. Time gets away from me. Um, yeah, I think, so he went him at pick 57. I had him 59 on my board. So very similar um, I just think it's worth kind of noting that um, in probably the past three seasons, every single season, we have a period of the year where we're like, oh, Lonzo Ball's not good. And then there's a period of the year where we go, oh, wow, when he's, you know, when he's hitting his shot, wow, he looks good. It opens up everything. Like, is he Lonzo Ball really, really good? And then by the end of the season, we always land in somewhere in the middle. Like, you can say what you will about, you know, New Orleans' decision-making going forward. Um, and I do definitely err on the side that they, they should have matched or, or, you know, kept Lonzo Ball. But I sometimes when you see a team kind of getting away, the, the first reaction is, oh, well, um, they didn't seem too upset <laughs> to kind of get rid of him. And they're the team that's had a quite a good look at him. Um, and just, you know, I remember it all kind of felt like it came down to whether Lonzo Ball was hitting the three or not. We know that, you know, the passing and him pushing the pace and, you know, rebounding and being, you know, quite tall for a point guard. Um, it's all kind of been there, but it's it's how it kind of comes together a little bit with the Chicago team and what's his role. And um, he's always, I mean, Lonzo Ball coming in, I was quite enamored with, you know, him at pick two and, and thought, and then Lamelo kind of feels like he's everything that I wanted Lonzo to be. Um and he's kind of playing catch up, and, and now it's like, oh, can Lonzo be a little bit more Lamelo-ish this year? I mean, <laughs> it's a little bit interesting how it goes. I do think Lonzo better three-point shooter for now, only because every time Lamelo shoots it, I just, even though the statistics say it's 
it's not the worst shot. Like it, it felt like none of them were going in last year. Um, he'll get better at that. Um, this is just yeah, this is a very interesting and varied kind of pick. I think um, someone was going to go him around this time, and it makes sense that um, Dale, as a Chicago player, did. Um, that'd be interesting, you know. I, you know, in the next couple of rounds, I think he was definitely there for for someone to pick. Um, I think it's where I. I wouldn't have wanted to take him higher than this, is just what I'd probably say. Um, and I think he can be good, but there's a cap on how good he's going to be with like Levine and, and DeRozan in terms of his scoring. Um, yeah, I think they'll be nice where he's quite good, but he might be a little bit up and down unless he can have, you know, career high, you know, assist numbers. Because as much as the passing element has been something we've all been enamored by and he shows us the highlights, the, the counting assist numbers haven't really been there. Um, but I do really enjoy his kind of off-ball defense, um, the way he, he moves, you know, his IQ. It's all, it's all, it's all there for, for him to potentially be one of those players you look up at the end of the season and go, oh, he was a real savvy pick. But, um, you know, statistic-wise, I think that's, it's, it's more likely for him to be like a fine pick. Yeah. But I think we can talk a lot more about the variance and Lonzo Ball is a real interesting one and he's probably a league pass watch early for me um, and how that works in, in Chicago. So cool cool one to project. Um, next one, Robert Williams III is, um, again, a, a player I... I'm fine with taking here. I wouldn't have wanted to take him much earlier. Um, pick 64. I had him at pick 69 on my board. Um, the the logics here, I know it's going to sound like almost broken record in terms of people see the big man role, someone step into it, and it's almost like it, it, it feels less risky that the leap forwards, uh, you know, guaranteed almost um and I think Robert Williams third we've seen that he's ready for the time I think coaches you know new coach coming in Boston I think they want to play Robert Williams I think he started to work out a little bit things the fouling and how he can kind of vibe off you know Tatum and Brown obviously the block numbers of you know will blow your head off you know <laughs> in terms of how how juicy that shit can be um I think he's learning I think he's going to get the more minutes I think it's it's all going to come together um it's just, you know, can he score enough for you to be, you know, worth a, a round seven pick? I think um, there's 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 definitely a, a thing for him to to kind of really do a lot. And, and if he can start, you know, scoring 10 points a game and taking, you know, a leaf out of even, you know, a Mason Plumley or stuff in terms of um, how you can offensively rebound below the rim as much as above the rim. So Robert Williams' athleticism and alley-ooping and kind of pullbacks is going to get him, you know, a margin of, of bankable kind of fantasy points and stats. But, you know, can he work to, to get his craft, you know, below the rim of rebounding and boxing out and getting in the right position and, and not being, you know, fouling when he's, you know, flying in for boards and all these different things that um, help him get a real part of the rotation Obviously, they've got Anis Cantor, they've got Al Horford, they've got different things here, and he's going to get the nod overall to, to have the biggest crack from it, and that's why you you know you get him in this pick. But if things don't go right, if Boston wants to shake it up, you know, his his minutes, you know, above twenty, I don't think are hundred percent guaranteed over the course of eighty two games, and that's where the risk is. And 
I think, you know, when you see someone like Malcolm Brogdon, who's been so you know bankable the past few seasons, go to the pick after, it's like, oh, um, I would have would have liked him a little bit later. Even, you know, Jeremy Grant going to pick before seems a little bit more safe, um, which is weird because it's Jeremy Grant. But um, I, I do had him kind of highlighted as someone that I think would have been a, a real great get um, if he kind of slipped. But I think he's paid the price that it's almost at an auction. <laughs> he's wanted he's, he's so hard. He's, he's paying the highest price that I would feel like you'd want to for Robert Williams. Um, and, and that's where I, I, I feel we, we leave it with that. Um, D'Angelo Russell, I think, on it is definitely one now that I'm feeling that is a, a proven kind of, obviously he's an all-star um, player talent that is you know, has slipped a little bit in terms of him getting, I think he got picked around, around about four, around four last year. Um, and I kind of, um, went in on the pick a little bit thinking it was, it was a bit of a, a bit of a misstep. And obviously that kind of, um, ended up being, uh, a little bit on the money, but to be fair, a lot of injury had a, a bit to do with it. I think the, the thing with D'Angelo Russell now is obviously the emergence of, um, Anthony Edwards, um, and how things are going to go there. But I do think, um, D'Lo has this skill set to kind of come in, doesn't really need the ball as much as your standard point guard. You know, a lot of arguments is, you know, whether he, he feels more comfortable as, you know, the two guard. I think, you know, his, his age, his, his growth in terms of being able to run an offense and everything and, and play off cat. And I do feel quite good about, you know, the role he's going to play there um, as a more kind of efficient, ver- you know, pairing to Anthony Edwards. And, you know, to get him um, quite a bit later than what Anthony Edwards, you know, got. He was he was at pick 50 and you've got D'Angelo Russell at 77. I think that's, you know, um, a good... Like, I don't think he's 20-something picks worse than Anthony Edwards is what I'm trying to say. Um, I had him at 63 on my board. So to get him at 77, I think, is, 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 a, is a smart kind of play for someone of his caliber. And, you know, when people at this time, they're rolling the dice on... On players like Garland or even Kant or, or Wendell Carter, this this um, round, I think to go a little bit more kind of um, steady on 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 a, a bankable guy like Russell, and you know he's not the most bankable guy because of um, you know injury last year, and obviously he's has been a bit up and down, but you know he is a, a former All Star that's that's young that has a confirmed role on a team where he's going to get the ball and. I just think it's um it's the the price you pay here is, is a good one and I I like the idea of him this year. Um, next pick Tyrese Halliburton. So um, I'm gonna say a lot of good things about Tyrese Halliburton and I think um, we got to have all of this in. Um, you got to uh, um, take it with a grain of salt because I think I'm very high on what he can do this year. Um, I think I was upset that he can get him taken here at pick um, 84 because I was locked and loaded at pick 88 to, to pick him if he got um, if he fell to me and unfortunately he didn't. So may, I'm hoping <laughs> in the back of my mind that all these nice things that I'm going to say about him actually don't come true. But um, I'll give I'll give him all the pros and the shining on, on what I thought is I think he makes sense in their starting five. I think he makes everyone better. I think 
the all-round kind of fantasy game is is there for him to build on. He has this counting kind of number stuff that is automatic. I think the steals, his defense is great. I think he's learning to score, but you don't have to rely on it. But I do think that around someone like, you know, De'Aaron Fox and um, even a Buddy Hill that he's, he's going to get easy looks, I don't think, you know, he's going to be a high-volume scorer, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think he's going to really push way past his projection of, of, you know, he had three rebounds last year and I don't think that's going to get more. I really feel like he's going to push that more to the five. Um, I think he's a very, he's rated fairly, but in the context of, of fantasy, I do think he's going to surprise us with what he can do on off nights. And on, on nights, we're going to see really, really healthy, big fantasy numbers from him. Um, the downside, I think, is you know they're brought in Davy and Mitchell. Even though they're going to plug him into the five, maybe um, him being this glue guy is not going to actually be amazing for his stats. And he's going to do a little bit of the things, but it's not going to be heaps. You're going to get players like Harrison Barnes and Rashad Holmes, and even you Malvin Babley's are going to take all of the rebounds. He's not going to be there. He's going to be in the chain of assists, but he's never the final guy, <laughs> and the scoring's not going to happen. These are all the, the downsides. Um, and some of the preseason numbers haven't been great, but again, it's preseason, so who gives a shit? Um, I would be super duper fucking happy with this pick here. I would have taken him, um, enamored by what he can do, and I'd be stoked to kind of watch him. I think I oh, where I had him. This is gonna maybe look bad at me. I had him at sixty six on my board. That's how much I really liked him this year, and he's one of those guys that I bumped up and say, oh, you know, if it's pick sixty six. Um, Maybe don't don't risk it and hope he falls to you. But I mean, I had him above Robert Williams. I had him above Triple J, which we'll get to um, in another podcast. He's looking like everyone likes him. I had him, you know, before Dinwiddie, um, and I had him just after um, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Um, next, Jonathan Isaac's an interesting one. I've been a big Jonathan Isaac guy. Um, Obviously, he can do a lot. The scoring, watching him, um, you know, when I had him in my team a couple of years ago, is is frustrating only because he didn't seem to have the opportunity um, and he was very reliant on, on some of the other stuff. Obviously, huge things have kind of changed. For one, Orlando's, you know, irrecognizable to what, you know, he was when he was obviously healthy playing and the barriers for him getting being really good are not there. But, um, you know, he's been injured for the best part of... Um, you know, 18 months, and we haven't really seen what he's he's got. He's not going to be ready for, um, obviously, the first game. I don't really know when he's going to be back. Um, he's got, as far as the latest report, not really a timetable to return. Um, he has passed that year, kind of year mark in terms of his ACL, which is a really lazy, you know, time frame. But um, if it, if it pushes, you know, into that December, it's a long return time for an ACL, um, which, you know, they can be be careful about and all that thing. And so I think I think it's a good pick. I don't know how many other players were really wanting to risk someone who is not got an on time to return and hasn't, you know, had a season before where he's been amazing. I mean, he's shown us glimpses of being amazing. Um, and I like, you know, his fit and role for Orlando and his pathway to success. But I do think it's a little bit early, given the fact that we don't know he's going to come back, how long he's going to take to really integrate himself in, and um, the fact that you know, he's still 
someone that you're drafting banking on the next step that we haven't seen. Um, so I think I think it is a little bit early. I had him, you know, on my board, you know, in a similar place as Clay Thompson, you know, to take um, probably around that kind of hundred mark. But you know, they are highlighted saying in your you got to know that things. Like, he might be a difficult own short term anyway, and if there's other people on the board like a Jalen Green or a Keldon Johnson who were the two after, um, I would have really much preferred those two. I think those two are probably going to give you, um, let's just say, you know, I would I would expect them to be the same output if not healthier. If you know they were all playing from day dot and they're not, so I wouldn't wouldn't have bothered drafting him before them. Um, yeah, <laughs> Dennis Schroeder is his next pick at 104. Um, you could, you know, on draft night or even you know two weeks ago, you could have sold me on the idea of Dennis Schroeder. You know, much maligned, chip on the shoulder. Boston don't really have a, you know, an obvious kind of point guard play. You know, he steps into that role, um, and he can be quite successful at it. Two weeks removed from some of the real, um, you know, feelings of me feeling good about Dennis Schroeder and having him, you know, as high as 78 on my big board, which I did, um, was, you know, really about him pushing his 18.8 average up. I'm getting a little bit more hesitant about that kind of positive role, and I'm very glad that someone else took the plunge now. Um, Just, you know, the feeling out of Boston, I don't think he's, you know, going to command a huge role automatically, um, I think, you know, he might be a bit of that sixth man thing. I do think we have a lot of year track record now of him being kind of meg <laughs> um, that doesn't make me too excited about what he's going to give us. Um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're well past the days of, of Dennis Schroeder, you know, being able to tease us with his potential of being a really good fantasy player when given you know, the the minutes and that, you know, we've seen it, what happened in Atlanta, it wasn't that great, you know, we, the start of the Lakers season felt kind of good, but then, you know, over the course of a season, it just doesn't come together. I think it's probably a fair price to pay here because now we are getting to the point when you look at the players around him, um, there's not huge ones that I'd rather be. I think this is the time, um, but I, I'm starting to get a little bit more concerned about how he's going to play um, in Boston. But, yeah, you know, that really changed in two weeks. So in, in another two weeks, maybe ask me again. I, I did have him at 78 on my board um, um, originally. So, yeah. Um, next pick is Thaddeus Young. I think if this is the Young he did the ins- inspiration for, then <laughs> um, maybe, maybe we go with that. Uh, young Harden on holiday. Of course, it's probably definitely Trey Young. Surely, <laughs> uh, Thad Young. We saw last year. Um, he was a player dropped and then added, and kind of was the most important player um, on a team for a couple of weeks. A little bit. He he had a, a period of I want to say fifteen to twenty games where he just didn't have below kind of this twenty fantasy score, but. Um, it's all kind of hedged on the injuries around the team, what kind of system they're playing, how they envision that he's young, you know, being in this kind of role. I think at the Spurs, there's obviously 
um, an idea that best case scenario he can do a lot of the stuff that he did at the Bulls and it comes away fantasy wise. But even if we get that you know month stretch where he's awesome, it doesn't like I don't feel one hundred percent secure that the next month's going to be you know the same just because um, the way that you know Thad's path to to fantasies, you know, very much your hustle kind of thing, your 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 opportunistic points, um, being, you know, the smart veteran savvy guy that's teaching the guys how to play properly and, and being in the right position and, you know, being, you know, this coach's pet kind of guy that he can re- rely on. And I think for every reason, you know, Pop's going to love him and he's going to be doing all these things and for, for a pick 117, then that's great. But, you know... Um, there's just a lot of kind of scenarios where he's he's not rostered, I think, in terms of a top 150 player. Um, but I think, f- you know, for this time here, then it, it, it's fine. But, you know, he's, he's one of those ones from these rounds that, you know, it comes for free agency. You know, if he's only giving you your 14 a game, um, then he might be in jeopardy. But, you know, we've seen, you know, year and year past that, if things kind of fall right for him, he, he can really push that 1820. Um, so there's a little bit of variance there and I'm happy for you to risk it. Um, but you gotta, you gotta understand that this is the variance. Next we have the one and only Larry brackets is shit. Close brackets. Um, from the famous stubby holder of, um, 2018 maybe was it um projection so this is definitely at least the second time i think he's taken larry first time obviously not as a bull um pick 124 and it feels like this is the time if you want to roll the dice on larry um it's to do it he's been one of the most polarizing players of the past few years i know two seasons ago drafting him and on opening night him dropping i think it was 35 and 13 um, and it looking like it was a bit of a masterstroke, but we've seen him as he's kind of worked his way into the NBA, not really knowing what his role is. There's not really something he does amazingly kind of to, to go for it. Obviously he's, you know, a scorer in the way that, you know, he's a, he's a tall, um, person, <laughs> tall person <laughs> who plays NBA. Um, you know, he's three point shot has been something that, you know, he can show that he can do, even though consistently it's not always there, that the mechanics and everything, um, I think has, you know, been quite, you know, we've, we've seen that, you know, him, him as a shooter has been something that we'd hope that he'd grow into a little bit more. Um, you know, he has a little bit of the kind of the Dirk thing to the fadeaways and the way he can kind of, um, I think he gets to the line quite well. And I think finishing at the rim off drives obviously needs to be a little bit of an improvement. He, he He's more of that kind of shooter for, for a big man, almost in a little way of, you know, you'd hope that Pazingas got to the line a little bit, that they just don't do it. Um, but, you know, it, it hasn't really come together. He went from, you know, that season projecting really well. Obviously, coaching is something that maybe you would um, highlight as, as him not being put into the, the role that has made him, you know, flourish into a player that you'd think that he could be. Um, he's been, you know, competing with a lot of, you know, other young kind of draft picks with the Bulls middling um, and not really having you know this identity or, or direction or where they want to go um and then last year him really kind of again being picked with this projection that you know he has something that will come together and kind of bottoming out to, to be a real a bit of a nothing player um the, the idea is that you know with a new home with a fresh look uh with the young t- uh, so that means the young team as well but 
you know, a team that have obviously highlighted that they want him in the fold, have paid him the money that um, he really carves out this niche to be pushing back to a, like a hundred uh, top hundred fantasy player, and I think um, he can do that. So with one hundred and twenty four, I think the um, it's 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 not really that much of a risk as much now. Um, so you, you can bank on it, but I do think this this idea that he's going to be um, you know, a real good fantasy player is, is probably um, a long shot currently with the way that they're kind of constructed. Um, I don't think there's any guarantee that he starts at the moment, although you think that he may. Um, they've got Jared Allen, you know, which holds down the center, and they could go a little bit small with some of the, the, the things they do around um, him and Jared Allen's not on the floor, but he's competing with Kevin Love for now. Um, he's got like you know Mobley there. You know they they are going to play a core a little bit that you know three four position, um, depending on how they they feel defensively. Um, you know he can be a little bit exposed. So I think if they're playing with some of their starting five lineups, you can't just you know plug and play Larry Nance anymore. Like the the, the starting five or the five that they got on the floor will need to be really you know looked at on how it works every time, you know, Larry Markin's playing the four and, you know, you, you don't think he can really play the three and I don't think he can play center either, really. So um, I think you're a little bit pigeonholed into some of the, the schemes and the, the things that you're going to run. Um, and there's, you know, been a lot of move around the league that we saw this this transition of, of players like, we're going back, you know, your Roy Hibberts and, and um, the, like, big guys that kind of got played out of the league a little bit in terms of their role changing very quickly. I think we got a little... that There was this enamored of, you know, your Pazingas, your Markinens, your um, different guys like that. And then there's, there's a bit of, you know, um, analytics and, you know, reporting out there that this type of player is being a little bit played out um, now as well, if you know there's the resurgence of little this like mid range game or this rim running kind of um, big man's that you spread with some of the shooters, um, that you know if you can't do a lot of the defensive work as a, as a as a big man or or you know uh, a power forward that can't really defend the perimeter as much that they they would rather go small with like your stock standard big um, a little bit, but this is. Um, this is just one kind of talking point that <laughs> you can fill the time with, but we're going a little bit over at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's it's it's, it's okay. Um, another interesting one for for us to watch, I think. Um, I think Joe Harris with his next pick at one hundred and thirty seven. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Joe Harris fan. Um, I just think with some of the things that they've got going with Patty Mills and. Um, a few of the other bodies around. I think, you know, they're really going to run Paul Millsap as a, a pick-and-pop guy. Joe Harris is still going to be invaluable to the team in terms of his um, his three-point shooting. And he's, you know, quite underrated, I think, from for someone who can kind of get to the rim. But um, he's someone who, you know, doesn't shoot a lot of free throws. He doesn't do a lot else. Um, as much as I like Joey Buckets, I, you know, I don't think he stays on the roster um, long-term. And he's, this is second last pick. So moving into the very last pick. So Malik Beasley is a good last pick. You know, I, I think he, you can go a couple of routes with your last pick and people, I think, go, go like super home run swing or you say, you look at your board and say, oh, wow, 
this guy who's quite solid and valuable hasn't actually been picked up, so I should get him. And I think that's the case with Malik Beasley. He um, was 117 on my board. And I think, you know, just people were like, oh, you know, I know he averaged 19.4 last year, but Minnesota are doing a few different things. He's been thrown up, you know, to be included in the trade. People aren't 100% on his role um, projecting for a whole 82 games. And I 100% get that. That's why he went to, 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 you know, the very last round. But, you know, if you want to kind of grab him, see what he does for the first few weeks, and if it's really looking like it's consistent fantasy output, you can really, um, you know, bank on that. And it's probably, you know, a less risk than, you know, if you're thinking you want to go your Isaac Okoro or your Nick Claxton um, in the last round, I think it's probably a smarter um, avenue, especially, you know, if your last couple of picks have been um, maybe a bit duddy. But there we go. I think overall, it's really... Really fun team this year for Dale, and I think if things kind of break right, he'll be again kind of up the top echelon if he can um, not tinker with his team as much. Um, it will go forward. I think his back end is like huge question marks. I think, um, you know, I, I quite like Russell. I like Halliburton, but then I'm really unsure from like Jonathan Isaac all the way down. Um, and then... Yeah, I think, you know, Levine and, and Holiday are, are the right picks for the right time. Um, but, you, yeah, you really kind of need to get what expected out of them to, to round out the team. And let's see what Lonzo does. Um, but, yeah, all fun and games for that one. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're finished with that. Um, maybe quick five minutes just to round off this podcast. I know that every other team doesn't really get the opportunity to defend themselves when their team gets critiqued and I, I won't be really trying to do that but I think if I'm giving my thoughts on every other player um, I did have a few thoughts about some of the things um, for my team and, and kind of some of the, the reviews so just quickly I think it's worthwhile maybe touching base on some of the things that were said so I think Westbrook I think it's, it's more I just wanted to talk about the general conversation about ranking the three Lakers players, which I thought was really interesting this year. Um, obviously, in my mind, I thought what Russell Westbrook ends up being the one that I wanted, and mostly because I think you know he's hungry. Um, I'm worried about you know is this finally the year when they've got this big three that the LeBron James, um, you know, decides not to to be this MVP kind of candidate that he has been you know habitually every single year. Um, obviously, we had these injury concerns with Anthony Davis, but. You know, he showed a little bit last year of, you know, not maintaining that, you know, fantasy elite thing. And I, I talked about Davis and I'm not worried about him, but I think, you know, for someone who's averaged, um, you know, triple doubles for the last five seasons, for, for you to put the over-under on how many triple doubles he gets this year, I think, I mean, it's probably fair that I have it in the 30s, yeah? I'm not, like, how many he's going to get? I think I think it'd be silly not to... I mean, from per- I reckon he's going to average at least eight and eight in terms of rebounds and assists and uh, the scoring. You know, we'll see how it goes, but he always seems to find a way. Um, I was actually, you know, tossing out between Westbrook, Durant, and Zion um, at, at pick eight, and went with Westbrook. Was able to get Zion on the way back. Stoked about it until I hear, you know, he's had basically broken foot, which makes me super scared. And now, without a preseason coming, you know, in looking a bit heavy. <laughs> um, 
I'm a little bit out on it at the moment, but I'm hoping it comes good and I can be okay in the first few see you know, weeks. Shea Gilgis, you know, happy with Ben Simmons. Ugh. Um, again, I I wanted to kind of get him because I you know the, the feeling that once everything lands and he starts playing, um, he's worth you know a twenty, and then to get him at thirty three, I didn't think he was going to slip to forty eight. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a hard one right now um, and maybe a mistake, but we'll really see how it goes. It's it's one that's going to really see how my team falls. Terry Rogier, I'm, I'm, after making the mistake of, of clicking accidentally, I'm really selling myself on it and that's only I think I could do right now. Very fair about Paul Zingas, I reckon. You know, he has that top 30 potential, but also, you know, with injuries and, you know, everything kind of going, uh, you know, he can really bottom out to your 70, 80 player um, and that taking him this early kind of, Hurts, Gordon Haywood, you know, I like, he, this seemed the right time to take him, um, but he's getting old, he does have the history, um, it's hard, Darius Garland, I'm super stoked that everyone's been like high on, because I am high on him too, but the problem with these guys that everyone's collectively bought in on, is that you have to pay a high price for him, and you're probably paying higher than, you know, you, you should, and then there's this really realistic scenario that, you know, even though we think he's going to take this step, you know, there's a lot of good young players in Cleveland. It might not come together as much, and then you end up overpaying. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I I don't think like I really like um, Garland, and that's why I've drafted him this early. I do think he has real most improved potential, but you know, there's there's a lot of dots to connect until this happens, and I did have to to take him um, at a high price. I think Mason Plumley. This idea that he's going to come off the bench is starting to, to creep in a little bit more now that I hear that Charlotte want to go small. I just don't I don't get it. Like, I think they're going to get killed if they do. Um, they want to be these kind of run-gun guys. But, like, Lamelo Ball is not a three-point shooter. Terry Rogier is streaky. Um, like, you know, his book... Not, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to think of where these amazing three-point shooting will come from if they want to run and gun a little bit because... I think you know this has to be a really important element. They're not just going to get fast break transition layups as much as they want to. They're going to have to defend. You know, PJ Washington's six foot seven. He's not. He's not a tall guy. Like I do think Mason Plumlee is. You know, one of the better passing centers in the league. You know, you had two of the best passing centers in the same team when you had Denver. You know, a couple of years ago. I think they've got to play him. I think he's going to do the dirty work. I'm a little bit worried about his scoring. Maybe I took him too early, but. The thought process was that he was, was doing what he did last year in Detroit. Um, Mikhail Bridges, um, again, I think, you know, looking at his age, looking at how they constructed, looking at what they did last year, you say, oh, 18.8 last year is the floor and he's going to get better. Um, that's the logic. You know, I don't, I think he's the type of player that the scoring's not going to come automatically, but he is a nice three point shooter when he's open and in corner. And I think if they can. I think there's a scenario where it makes it a good pick, but I am a little bit worried. Hunter's you know, injured, but I was enamored with what he did for a short period of time last year. I think they're a bit of bogged down with some of the players that got... I think, obviously, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a... Um, you know, I love him, but you know, with Reddish and um, a few of the guys that they've got, like I, I am worried that you know he's not going to be worth pick 108. Tyler Hero, um, let's get on board. Um, I know preseason's you know, bullshit, but... You know, you're not going to be angry at a guy dropping 26. I think last year was obviously a train wreck. We had a, a guy in our league infamously say, well, put to the group, like, how good can he be? Can he be Steph Curry? 
Um, and I kind of slammed him a little bit for that. But <laughs> I think there's a middle ground where Tyler Hero is really worth 113. And Miami um, are good this year, and he's a big part of it. And that's what I'll say about that. Clay Thompson, I'm, I'm getting worried that he doesn't play um, as early as I was hoping. And then it becomes a little bit of a, a burden to carry. And even when he comes back, he's a little injured and it's going to take him some time. But he is Clay Thompson. So, um, hey, with that, Bobby Portis, I think. I think I said in the chat, I think they've sold him on his role this year and maintaining, you know, building on them Milwaukee as back-to-back, him taking less to stay, him being this cult hero, but being being more than that and getting more of the pie and playing more minutes. I, like, I really think they sold him on this to stay and I think it's in their best interest for Milwaukee getting better that he plays more and that he he's shown that he's added elements of his game. So... I'm like, I, I like this pick. I want to see healthy Bobby Portis playing, you know, 27 minutes. Um, Nicholas Claxton, I'm, I'm worried about already. I think the idea that, you know, he plays centre, um, he's really can switch on defence. You know, he's got this rapport with Harden, you know, defensively, it's it's raw, but it's all there. His, his block and timing is really nice, but he has a problem with fouling. I think... You know, I'm really worried about his minutes allocation now that they've got Millsap and Aldridge and James Johnson and Brute Griffin's back. I just think there's a, a real log jam there and I think there's a potential that he's off the team quicker than um, I would have hoped, but there was a bit of a home run swing there. The second last pick of draft. Um, there's a really, really quick rundown and I know other teams don't get the opportunity to do that, but if you ever want to do what they did and put some, some ideas down and I'll, I'll put them up on the pod and everyone can have a listen. Um, it's, a, it's an even playing field here as much as I enjoy kind of doing all this stuff um i just know super appreciative day. i love getting a kick out of listening because um you get sick of just hearing me i think and i'm really fascinated to know where other people think but um just having all these thoughts when i was doing the podcasts i thought it was good to kind of quickly get them down anyway and the people would would maybe want to hear some of the stuff but again um Smashing him out, and as the weekend comes around, I'll hopefully get time to, to get into the beers like Dale was. I was very jealous about the beer drinking as I'm trying to squeeze them in, in like these in and lunch breaks and stuff. Working from home, who's going to know? Maybe I'll have to do that next time. But <laughs> you'll hear the, the sips of me kind of refreshing myself um, and um, getting down. The, I mean, what else is there to do in lockdown but have a few beers and record a podcast? Um, I'm not doing Maybe take care of my kid, I guess. But <laughs> I'll do that too. Uh, It's been a a great time again and I hope everyone's enjoying it. And um, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace, guys. Love you.